Hey, how you feeling about automated robots doing the talking for you? It sounds crazy, but it's here. Stay tuned. We'll talk about it on this episode of The Buyer's Mind. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome once again to The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, and the podcast where we figure out the way that people want to buy, all those little nuances. When we know the way they want to buy, then we can change our approach to make it easy for them to do just that. I am joined, as always, by our show producer, Paul Murphy. Uh, Murphy, ready to get your mind blown just a little bit with all things uh, technology, especially as it relates to automatic conversations or automated conversations with customers. Do you like the idea? Does it scare you? What are you thinking? It seems so impersonal. I don't know what to think about it. It really, uh, it, like I said, it seems impersonal. Well, listen, uh, you know, you, you and I are roughly the same age. We're in the same generation. And so we look at these things a little bit quizzically. Uh, I have a feeling that my kids and your kids, Murph, would probably look at it and they would say, cool. And uh, right now, as the younger generations are sort of leading the charge, I'm very open-minded uh, to this. And I want to hear what works and what makes things easy. Because on the one hand, I look at it and I say, well, I'm a relationship guy and I'm an old school guy. And on the other hand, I don't know about you, Murph, but I'm like, yeah, the less I need to talk to people when I'm out running errands and doing my shopping and buying stuff, uh, the easier it is for me. And I'm I'm down with that. I'm Amazon Prime all the way in my thinking these days. Uh, do, you, do you agree? Do you disagree? What are you thinking? Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, the, the less I have to interact, the happier I am. <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to figure out what are we doing to adjust our style to understand the way that a customer wants to buy anyway. Now, by the time we talk to a customer, by the time a customer calls us and generates an input in some way, what does it tell us? It tells us that they've reached the end of their investigation rope and now they need our help. But we're going to look today at the way that our customers think about technology, uh, the way they specifically think about technology as it relates to communication patterns, how things have changed over the years, where we are now, and where we're going next. I think you'll enjoy this interview with Bassam Salem. All right. Well, listen, this is going to be fun because, you know, listen, we'd love to be able to find out the way that our customer thinks and the way that our customer communicates. But where does that fit into the evolution of technology in this day and age? And fortunately, we have an expert on that to be able to, to help us. Uh, he is all things tactical, but he speaks uh, the psychological language. So it's a really, really interesting mix. Uh, we've had riveting conversations uh, in the past, and I'm thrilled thrilled to have him here on the podcast uh, from Atlas RTX, Bassam Salem. Bassam, how are you, sir? Jeff, I'm doing fantastically. Thank you very much for having me on. You, you really are this weird sort of uh, um, a mashup of somebody who is a total tech dweeb. You know everything <laughs> there is to know on the tech side, but you also speak plain English and can talk even to uh, um, uh, troglodytes like me. I, I will I will take that as a compliment. Uh, I, I love technology, but I love business equally. And I, I really love the science of business. So absolutely. 
Yeah, and, and you're something of a serial entrepreneur, right? You, you've just—it's you're—you're—you're you're an ideator. You always want to try and figure out how do we take this technical wonky stuff and make it approachable for just about anybody. Thank you. Absolutely. I really, I really, uh, you know, I, I think I was destined to be a professor. I love communicating uh, complicated mm-hmm. ideas. Yeah, um, I, I really should have been in academia, but uh, uh, you know, proving it in the real world has been uh, a lot more fun. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wanted you on the show because you and I were having a conversation recently and you were just sharing with me uh, some of the issues that we're seeing around communication styles, especially communication styles of young people and uh, of, of if you, the millennial generation, uh, if you will, and how we've seen this massive shift, where it places us today. And uh, I, I just thought it was all so fascinating. I thought, boy, we got to get you in front of our audience to be able to look at it. And part of this has to do with the, the, the huge shift away from the telephone and in the direction of text messaging. So I, I'm going to leave that broad and open-ended for you to start the conversation and tell us what we need to know about what we're seeing in uh, the last, uh, really just the last 10 years. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's it's even absolutely 10 years, but even in the last five, the shift has been so dramatic. Um, mm-hmm. Phone answer rates are now under 5%. Under 5% of phone calls ever get answered, which is just incredible. And if you think about how often we have our phones within two or three feet of us, uh, it's it's incredible. It's essentially 99% of our days we have our phones with us, yet none of us answer the phone anymore. Although yeah, you're listening, you know what I just saw. I have to tell you, I just saw this stat. Uh, I was when I was researching over this earlier today. Uh, I the statistic is 30% of the people don't answer the phone for their own mother. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we actually totally use that line because I think that's what's changed in five years. Five years mm-hmm. ago, we used to say. If the caller ID had someone we recognized, we're likely to answer. But yeah. nowadays, even when friends and family call, it, the, we, we're programmed. Our behavior is so different. We don't want to interrupt whatever we're doing. We want to engage what we call asynchronously. I don't want to be stuck do, to communication. I want to send do it Do you do it? Do, do, are you guilty of that? Now, you've got friends and family who are going to be listening to this, but Sam, do you I, do it? Sadly, I, I, can, I end <laughs> the day and have, you know, ridiculous volumes of voicemails I really don't want to listen to. And just like your day, it's, yeah. it's crazy, right? We, the last right. thing we want is, a, is, a, is an interactive phone call to take. All right. So what is that all about? What, what is the, what's the psychological origin of the idea that I just don't want to pick up the phone? I, even for somebody that I love, I, I oftentimes don't want to pick up the phone. What's, what's going on psychologically in your opinion? You know, I, I think we're all so getting accustomed to the immediacy and convenience that has pervaded our lives in every aspect uh, of our day-to-day lives now. Um, we no longer reserve a car. I want to be able to order an Uber or a Lyft mm-hmm. the moment I need it. Mm-hmm. I want it now, and I want to engage it and, 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 and have it very, very conveniently without talking to anyone without dealing with any, it has to be tech enabled for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to buy something from Amazon. Uh, I want it to be easy. I want it to ship today and hopefully deliver today. And I don't want to talk to anyone. We're getting accustomed to every aspect of our lives being convenient and immediate and the humans coming in only when we really need them for the more sophisticated, more passion filled experiences. And certainly 
purchasing uh, something meaningful, something big, I probably do want to engage a human at, at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I'm researching a car, do I really want to talk to a car salesperson? I, I probably am going to show up at the car dealership knowing exactly the car I want, probably more educated with all due respect uh, than the person uh, selling me the car about that particular model because I've researched it completely. Um, so it's, it's just a completely different mindset that we all now have as consumers uh, as we engage brands and, and, and businesses. Before we get into how that has shifted the world, especially in the direction of text messaging as a way to get away from talking to people, can you just touch on, I'm just curious about how you feel about this philosophically, because what we're talking about is a huge shift just in the way that we as a culture approach human relationships. I mean, and, and I look, I'm guilty of it too. It's like, I, you know, I was, I was happy when travel agents went away. I was, I was happy when I could go to the self checkout line at a grocery store. So I'm guilty of it. Like anybody else, does it, does it bother you? Or you just look at it and say, Hey, listen, I don't have time to sit down and talk about uh, social ramifications. I'm just here to try and accommodate what people want to do anyway. No, you know, I, I wonder if uh, the way I see it is uh, I want to remove inconvenient, unnecessary interactions. And I think we all feel this way. I mean, I don't want to have to engage someone if I don't have to engage that person. I want mm -hmm. to engage people because I choose to engage them intellectually for what's in their mind and for the emotional connection we might have. So I wonder if technology can can give it to us both ways. Can it take away the mundane? I don't want to have to make a phone call to order my Amazon purchases, right? I certainly mm -hmm. don't. I don't want to talk to a live human. I don't want to right. talk to a live human to order my taxi or Uber or Lyft. Can we remove human interaction from the mundane and mm -hmm. reserve it to the more meaningful? And I, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm trying to think of it optimistically, and I hope that that's what we move towards. Mm-hmm. As we've moved away from the phone call, then uh, you know it, it. It it it's it's kind of funny to me because I I used to tell people I get so many calls. You know, if if you want to reach me, uh, boy, you know, you, just call me. Just just call me. Uh, and then I then I'd get so many calls. I said, if you need to reach me, you, you got to email me because I'm getting so many phone calls. And then eventually I started to get so many emails that I said, uh, um, boy, if you need to reach me, you need to text me because there's just too many emails is going to get lost. Now what I find is I get so many texts that I tend to look at it and say, I'm going to forget that text. It's going to be buried in a string. If you really want to reach me, call me because nobody calls me. I'm going full circle on this, but let's let's talk a little bit about text messaging because first of all, I know this is up your alley at Atlas RTX, uh, but uh, talk a little bit about text messaging and the phenomenon of text messaging. And as you say, it's really just over the last five years that text messaging is just such a part of the fabric of our entire country. I don't think we've seen a phenomenon like this in a long time. Not at all. Absolutely. And, and mind you, let me, let me address something you just alluded to head on. Um, sure. Even text messaging will have a lifespan and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, there will be something next. Uh, but I do believe that whatever it is, we're moving increasingly to more real-time methods of interaction that allow us to be at arm's length from the other party. So this notion of um, email being too slow, I don't want to send an email that's going to take five hours for someone to notice and two days for someone to reply to. I, mm -hmm. An SMS, they will see immediately. It's, it's instant. 
But likewise, it doesn't require, it doesn't obligate them to answer this particular second. It gives them that latitude, that arm's length uh, time frame uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and some latitude there. So I think the notion of real-time messaging is here to stay and whether real-time messaging from text evolves to real-time messaging over video, perhaps, which is my prediction on the next uh, sort of communication. If we, uh, we between, between friends, we'll be exchanging little video clips that capture the moment more, capture our emotion more, and capture that message. And uh, that evolves. It's no longer text. It's, uh, you know, video messaging, but it's still the same exact principle. It's uh, real time. It's, it, as it's happening, it allows the responder to have latitude in their uh, need to respond back without locking them down uh, in a conversation. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We're seeing that right now. My daughter is in Germany, and uh, she and my wife just have the relationship where they talk uh, every day. But now you've got uh, time zone issues, and uh, uh, it's it's not cheap to pick up the phone anymore and just call. And they're using an app, I think it's called, it might be called Marco Polo, I think. Uh, but uh, they do that. They will have an entire conversation by video chat, uh, simply going back and forth and exchanging these video emails. And they get to see each other's face. And it's a, a really, really rich relational way to go. So yeah, we're, I, I guess we're already there to some extent. My question is, uh, there is an there has to be an immediacy to text messaging because in this day and age, we're getting so overwhelmed uh, with uh, text messaging that I don't know about you, but I feel a little text fatigued. So for me, uh, it's probably not something I'm going to carry through the rest of the day. It's something that I want to handle right now and then move on with my life. You know, uh, it's it's if you look at the volume of texts you're getting that are relevant versus irrelevant, mm-hmm. and then compare that to the number of phone calls and emails that you get every day that are relevant versus irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at least for the average American, the vast majority of texts today are uh, meaningful and intentional. Which yeah, is fair. You know, it's very, very different. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. It's almost as if we've been paying uh, these spam callers over the last six to 12 months to call people. And I swear we're not, but it's gotten, it's gotten so bad. Right. That, uh, we, literally, I don't, I didn't even want to have my phone to ring. I, I just, yeah. just it, I don't even know why we bother. Um, Might that happen with texts in five to 10 years, if not managed well? Uh, Absolutely. Um, But right now it has the highest fidelity of any medium that we, that we all uh, use. Yeah, that was something that really stuck out in our conversation before. Uh, uh, When, when you reference the open rate of SMS messaging and, and and how quickly that happens. Share that with us. Absolutely. So right now, the latest metrics are under 5% of phone calls are ever answered, under 18% of emails are ever opened, whereas 98% of text messages are seen within two minutes of their transmission. So mm-hmm. 98%, essentially all text messages are seen within two minutes. Um, that's just open rate comparison, apples to apples. When you then add on a response rate, it's, it's 
utterly shocking. I mean, you you uh, leave a voicemail for a phone call and less than 4% of voicemails are ever returned. Um, mm-hmm. Email response rates are in the single digits. So when you multiply single digit percents times under 18% open rates, you're getting 0.0 something open rates. Whereas with text messaging, and we are seeing this having done it for years now, uh, and it's only getting better. We're still getting better, not uh, the, so the adoption's increasing, not decreasing. Um, essentially 100% open rates and 60, 70, 80% response rates. So it's mm-hmm. just orders of magnitude different in terms of an ability to engage with someone. Uh, but Sam, do you see this as, um, how much of this is a generational thing? Uh, or, or are we seeing it through all generations? Really, really good question. Very astute. And that's another thing that's changed in the last five years. I think five years ago, we were saying it's millennials and we mm-hmm. Gen Xers and baby boomers were a bit different. Uh, nowadays, 82-year-olds are still texting with their 50-year-old kids and 20-year-old mm-hmm. grandkids. Everybody is is texting. I will, mm-hmm. I will concede one thing that we should all note. Gen Xers and baby boomers are still willing to make phone calls if it's the only avenue available. So if I see a 1-800 number, I grew up with 1-800 numbers. I know mm-hmm. what, you know, I know the model. I'll call it. It's not comfortable, but I'll do it. You ask a 28-year-old to make a phone call and it is, it is, it's like asking me to write a handwritten note to, mm-hmm. to order something. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, something's wrong when you're asking me to make a phone call. So they're not willing to make phone calls, obviously by and large, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's a, uh, certainly a, a sort of a generalization, but it's a very real generalization. Uh, now let's let's get deep into your lane and the work that you do specifically, because uh, you shared a statistic that half of web traffic that converts to a text action, that is when uh, a customer or consumer actually takes an action uh, via text messaging, it's going to take place after 6 p.m., and there's a pretty good chance that there's nobody there to receive this. And, you know, we, we see more and more the instant chat options that pop up on websites while we are on that site perusing around. Hey, can I help you? That sort of thing. Uh, but a lot of that is going to take place when that there's they've, they've set the snooze button on there. So this is a real issue because you got a lot of people who are doing their shopping at the exact time when the people they might have a question for are not around that's a that's a that's a pretty pervasive issue is it not absolutely we're seeing it across the board across verticals so it's not just one industry or another 40 to 50 percent of consumer traffic is happening after 6 p.m and before 6 a.m plus or minus for time zones obviously Um, so so it's a very if you think about how much we consume content on the internet after work and before work the next day, it's 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 a you know if you're looking for a home or looking for a car or looking for a new iPhone, much of that is going to happen equally likely in the evenings as it is during the day, and mm-hmm. and you hit exactly the philosophy that we uh, really espouse, which is can we use technology to to augment the human to make it so the human doesn't have to work twenty four seven, so the human can take a break and let let the let the automation let the computer system take charge for a little bit is it as good as the human absolutely not but can it do some of what the human would otherwise have to do and let them take a break and then come back and engage when the moment is right and and the answer to that is an emphatic yes uh, so that re- that philosophy of 
AI or chatbots and humans being better together and the combination being meaningful is really the philosophy that we espouse. You know, it was interesting. A, a few months back, uh, Google came on to show their new toy that they were experimenting with, and and the idea that uh, actually, that, I don't know if you remember this presentation where a guy came out and he played a recording of a bot voice actually making a dinner reservation and Absolutely. uh and, and and do you remember that it was and it was Absolutely. like oh man this is cool this is where we're gonna be you know five years from now as it turns out we're already there um so what what you do what companies like you do is that you are supplementing the human with bots with essentially artificial intelligence that is having a text-based conversation a text message-based conversation until such time that a person is appropriate for a real human being to step in and take over did i characterize that correctly Perfectly. Uh, we do support other platforms. So, you know, Facebook Messenger, you can also do chat on, on a website and, and other channels. But, uh, but absolutely, that is the premise. I, I do want to point out, especially given the, the theme of, of your podcast being behind the buyer's mind, there's also an angle from the buyer's perspective, and that is buyers want convenient automation. Buyers are looking for tech-enabled capabilities when they interact with a business. Uh, okay, you know, I, let me jump in there for just a second because I you know, look at I'm 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 a baby boomer, right? I'm 57 yeah. years old and I like to think that I think young, but I'm yeah. still a baby boomer and I have people in my life that that their first reaction, well actually I'll, I'll just I'm I'm going to I'm going to out her right now, but uh when I told my wife about about uh, this idea of chatbots and automated and her first reaction was negative and she looked at it and said, "I, I want to talk to a I want to know that I'm talking to a real person. I don't want to talk to a computer and I'm making her sound old, but but that, <laughs> that's where it went right away. And I assume you've had to deal with that objection. Absolutely. And, and I completely understand it and empathize with it, in fact. And in fact, I would argue if, if we can provide automation to the people and generations expecting it, can we free up the humans to give a great experience to the population and generations who need it. Mm -hmm. Because that is still a fundamental problem. The fundamental problem of we don't have an infinite number of great humans on our team to handle an infinite number of requests coming in, whether it's a sales mm -hmm. request or a service request. So mm -hmm. what if we can give automation to those who are accepting of it and want it, which is an, in an increasing number with every passing year, and then reserve the capacity of the humans to really focus instead of wasting, quote unquote, wasting their time making outbound phone calls and leaving voicemails that are never going to listen to. What if they actually have the free time to give your significant other that meaningful experience that she's having? Mm -hmm. I will tell you um, that this tech enabled mentality is real. If you, if you now look at, the, at, at how young people and by young, I mean even you know up to 35, uh, 40. I'll, I'll keep going 50 uh, because I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to count myself as a as a young person. But certainly those <laughs> under 35, when they shop for a car, they're not looking at whether it's a V6 or a V8 and whether it's an automatic transmission or a. I'm a car guy, so yes, I, I would love I I'd love to know about the engine and whether it's a manual transmission or not. They're comparing multimedia capabilities. They're comparing what tech features does the vehicle provide me. Um, mm -hmm. Teslas sell 
phenomenally because because of the technology and tech enablement that they provide. The fact that I have an app and I can download, uh, I can command my car and I can look at the status and I can download capabilities into my vehicle. It's we're now technology is what's differentiating brand A from brand B from brand C. It's mm-hmm. not it's not the 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 human experience at the dealership that is right. That is so it, you're very much espousing the idea of a uh, of of not something where we're going to see uh, this uh, as a takeover. It's just a question of I, I think what the point that you just made a moment ago was so critical. Uh, we do not have the human resources to be able to keep up with the demand that our customers have, and if we can make the mundane a little bit more regimented, a, a little bit more predictable, then it frees people up to be able to do things that otherwise can't be done. Because I look at it from the perspective of, yeah, I recognize I'm a human being. So when I first go out, do I say, I can't wait to talk to a salesperson? Well, for me, I'm a little different because I'm a sales wonk, but in, but in general, I'm going to do my research first. But I also recognize when I do talk to a salesperson, it's because I've hit the end of my reasonable capacity to research on my own. And in essence, what I'm doing is I'm waving a white flag and saying, I've gone as far as I can go. Now I need you to join with me in order to help me accomplish my goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'd argue that um, that there are also stages, stages in the in the purchasing journey where we just want factual information little emotion, no human interaction necessary. I'm just collecting data. I want to compare and contrast and figure out why this product is better than this and uh, you know what pricing benefits I have and what other people who've bought uh, similar products are saying, right? It's, it's very, it's sort of a collection mode. And then for certain uh, transactions, uh, you know, certainly not a box of cereal. I don't really need a human for that, but certainly a major purchase. Uh, do I then want a human to walk me through a scary process once I've I've sort of narrowed down what I'm doing? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. again, that same premise exists. If we can free up the human from having to do that early journey work, let the automation take care of that and then have the human focus on that connecting, em- empathetic, emotional aspect of the purchase, we can actually nail it. We can provide the best of both worlds. And, mm-hmm. and, and make the customer happy while being efficient in our in our sales job. I love it. Uh, you know, when I'm looking at what it is that you do, uh, you know, one of the things that it seems to me is that uh, uh, you know, you're in this industry that's just changing so dramatically. Um, uh, you're going to have to really keep your finger on the pulse of what's going to happen next, because uh, you you might you might be onto something now, but it'll be gone uh, overnight. Does that excite you? Does that scare you? What are you thinking? I, I, that's what I love about technology. Um, I, Sincerely, Jeff, I, I love how I love the pace. I love the the forward thinking nature, and I I love that technology is making our lives better. I, I'm I'm not one who's afraid of it. Uh, I'm not one who resents it. I'm, I I see it as a way to make my life more convenient, more comfortable, so I can spend my time doing what I'd like to do. And I I revel in this sort of constant journey of figuring out what's next and what's exciting and, and mm-hmm. continuing to be ahead of the curve. So it's, it's what makes business so exciting. Love it. Love it. Hey, before we let you go, we're going to, uh, as we always do here on the podcast, put you on the hot seat, uh, rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. You ready? Sounds good. All right. Your very first job was what? 
I worked at a pizza shop as a pizza cook. <laughs> nice. Love it. Uh, an album that you, you listened to in your youth, you listened to it over and over again. Oh, I would probably have to be uh, a sting. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the album right on the top of my, uh, right at the moment, but uh, a sting right, that's album. right. King of Pain, one of the great songs of all Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, the, the most beautiful place you've ever stood? Probably somewhere here in Park City at the top of one of our peaks. Well, you can't argue with that. Uh, any book that you read early in life that had a profound impact on the rest of your life? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to give credit to, uh, to a more recent book than that, but uh, it's, okay. it's been, uh, I love it. It's a Sapiens, a uh, phenomenal book about, uh, about the history of humanity. Love it. Uh, a movie you've seen multiple times. You can't help it. You have to watch it whenever it comes on. Uh, I'm going to be embarrassed about this one. I'm going to say Tommy Boy, and uh, you're going to have to edit this answer because that's an awful. Are you kidding me? I'm right there with you. It's the greatest sales movie of all time. It's, it, it's the, you are right in my lane. And then finally, uh, your your very first celebrity crush. Uh, that will. I don't think anyone will know this person, but Jamie Summers. If you remember Six Million Dollar Man, sure, absolutely. The Bionic, the bionic woman. woman. Yes, oh, you know? yes. Oh my I do know. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie Summers. That's a great answer. That's right. All right, uh, fantastic. Uh, what a great conversation with uh, Basam Salem, and and just a fantastic stuff. You can follow him on atlasrtx.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Our atlasrtx. Read the blog. It's really, really fascinating to hear some of the things that they're doing out there. And if you want to watch a demo, you can uh, do that as well at Atlas RTX. Uh, I got to tell you what, Sam, that was really, really a lot of fun. Everything that I thought it would be. Thanks for being on The Buyer's Mind. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right, Murph, I think I warned you that your mind was going to be blown. What, what do you think? Did he accomplish that? I think what blew my mind the most is just trying to figure out how do you work this generationally because uh, as a salesperson, you know, you're, you're trying to deal with young people in their 20s to, you know, people as old as my dad in their 80s. How do you accomplish that? And uh, it's a, quite a challenge. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's a warning, actually, if there are millennials, for example, who are listening right now, but they are selling to people who are baby boomers. The shift that has made things normal to them is not necessarily normal to baby boomers, right? Generally, when we look at it, we go, hey, baby boomers, you got to adjust to the way that millennials are doing business these days. And that's true. But the converse is also true. The millennials have to be able to look at the baby boomers and say, boy, you know what? Maybe they're they're a little slower to be able to adopt uh, the the newer changes that are been taken on, so there's no question. There's there's that idea of being nimble is really really important. Uh, Murph, uh, your general thought on um, Autobots as as uh, as ways to communicate with your customer? Thumbs up, thumbs down, based on what you just heard from Basam. What are you thinking? You know, it's it's just amazing to see how it works. And uh, I, I think I have to give it a thumbs up, at least to give it a try. Sure. Well, listen, if I can talk to somebody, if I can get some questions answered now, and of course, it's largely going to depend on how effective the Autobots are. Uh, but if I can figure that out, if they can figure it out and they can help me, hey, I want information and I want it right now. How I get it is of secondary importance. But I want to point something out to our sales professionals who are out there on the front lines. Those who are actually going to talk to customers. What I'm hearing more than anything else 
is that what we are dealing with right now is proof positive that by the time you have an actual conversation, your customer is so well informed that they have exhausted their efforts to learn everything they can. And now what does that mean? It means they need you and they need you desperately. So you've got to make sure that your mindset is right. As a sales professional, you've got to make sure that you are in that position of being able to say, here comes somebody who needs my help. They've done what they could do. And this is where I step in. If you want to be a star now, the opportunity is to let the internet, to let the autobots, to let anything that's automatic or automated, uh, let it do its thing and take care of all the mundane. You know what's cool about that? It frees you up to be able to talk about the fun stuff, the cool stuff, the interesting stuff. It allows you to be able to take this conversation to a higher level because you don't have to worry about all of the the small little details that have already been ascertained. I think this makes it fun. This is to me, it's not a threat to salespeople. What this is to me is to take care of all of those. Like I go back to my days in sales and I think, how often did I have to ask answer the same question over and over again? Not anymore. Those questions are already answered. This should be the fun time. So I want to encourage you to look at it from that side. And if you're a frontline salesperson, ask yourself, what do I bring? that an automated service doesn't? What do I bring that a website doesn't? What do I bring that a brochure doesn't? How can you differentiate yourself and look at it and say, there are things that those they'll never be able to do that I can do right now. How do I stand out, not just to complete the picture, but to take it to a whole nother level? This is exciting stuff and it's the way of the future anyway. But when you understand the way that your customer makes decisions, it gives you the opportunity to be able to adjust your style to make it easy for them to do what they want to do anyway. That's what we talk about all the time here on The Buyer's Mind, and it certainly came true today. So there you have it, another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. We will talk to you next time, and in between now and then, go out there and change someone's world. 